Hello, and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency, all things homesteading, and about how we can reduce the gap between our consumption and our production. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 346 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today, we are going to be talking about chicken husbandry. And as I've started doing a little bit of extra research for this episode, I'm thinking that a chicken-based series may be required because we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about all sorts of different things. We're going to talk about how to introduce new hens to your flock, how to use a different type of litter method, deep litter, if you're not already using that, how you can, what the advantages are. We're going to be talking about what sort of space and how to increase the space and how that will reduce your feed requirements. We're going to talk about calcium. We're going to talk about grit, what sort of grit and calcium supplements your chickens need, what they do, etc., etc different types of feeds, parasites, and all sorts of other things. And I realised that I could really do a deep dive on almost any one of these. And uh, we're also going to talk about how to clip your chicken's wings, why you would do that, etc, etc. And, uh, you know, that doesn't even get into any of the basics that we cover usually, like housing requirements and that kind of thing, and different types of breeds. So I think we might do a chicken series where we go really deep on things like calcium requirements for chickens and how you can meet them and why you can use certain different things certain different ways and all those kinds of things there's a lot to unpack here so we're going to go through everything today in some depth but I think we might have to uh, come back and go a little bit deeper at a later date we shall see we'll see how it goes Uh, before we get off the starting blocks today I just want to say thank you to a a patron someone who's decided to become a patron of the show at patreon.com and that is Rebecca Blassing thank you so much Rebecca I hope I'm pronouncing your name right I'm genuinely thrilled that you've decided that the content that I'm creating is worthy of your support in that way it really does make a difference thank you ever so much and you will be included in the draw at the end of today's episode to win the how to grow practically everything book from the royal horticultural society hundreds of gardening projects absolutely anyone can do and it really is fantastic it's a a huge book and it would be easier for me to list the things that aren't in here than the things that are i think it really is fantastic So we're going to be doing a draw for that book at the end of today's episode. So please do stay tuned to see if you're the lucky winner, if you're a patron of the show. And if you are not a patron, but you would like to be included in future draws, then just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. Right. With that out the way, let's get into today's episode. So chicken husbandry. Let's do a quick, a quick skirt around feeding and What I'd like to say is a few things 
Um, there's so many different types of feed available. You can buy all sorts of commercial feed. Now, the only commercial feed we buy are layers pellets. The reason being, these are formulated so that they've got everything that our chickens need because we actually don't like to buy very much feed at all. So what we do is we supplement their food with all sorts of freebies, whether it's by free ranging and allowing them access to grubs and bugs in the garden and all those kinds of things and kitchen scraps. But what's important is that if they are having a deficit of anything, we know it's there. So they've got free access to the layers pellets, which do, like I say, include everything they could possibly need. And I have to say, I don't think we're really going to be buying any layers pellets now we've moved house. We've got, I think, three bags that we brought with us and we haven't touched them. They've had some uh, free choice available since we moved, but they haven't really touched them because they're getting plenty of what they need from the free sources of food that I've already mentioned. So that's that's really all I've got to say about feed. Now, you can, of course, feed them corn if you wish. You can feed them, you know, there's lots of choices available. Um, we like to use corn as a treat, maybe. But to be honest, our chickens get so many treats these days that uh, that's just not necessary for us. Now, in terms of supplementing their feed, one of the things that chickens need is grit. Now, they need that grit in two forms, basically soluble and insoluble so let's talk about that just for a second so soluble means that the grit is going to be really small and it's basically going to dissolve inside the the chicken once they've eaten it so that's going to include things like well you can buy them commercially you know crushed oyster or mussel shells things like that and these soluble grit are going to also form quite a part of the chicken's calcium diet and then there's insoluble grit which is things like small bits of gravel and stones and these the the chickens will find naturally if they're allowed to free range but if you don't have free range chickens if you have them in a small run then you're going to want to offer a small bowl of grit of both of these different types so that they can choose what they want and basically keep themselves topped up now the the larger grit the insoluble grit the little bits of gravel they're basically used inside the chickens gizzards so the chickens have their crop which is a bit like a, a hamster uses its cheek to saw food the chicken would eat a load of food and it would sit there in its crop which is like the first port of call, if you like, on the chicken's digestive system. And then it would gradually be passed down into the gizzard. And the gizzard is a huge muscle that also holds the insoluble grit. It holds lots of the small stones. And these small stones basically grind the food up. They work like the teeth of the chicken, like when we chew. Well, that's what happens in the chicken's gizzards before they're then passed on to the stomach. So that's why grit is so important to hens. Like I say, if you're free ranging your hens, they're going to get access to all of the insoluble grit they're going to need. And all we need to worry about is the soluble grit. Now, we like to use, we never buy grit from a commercial supplier we like to use eggshells because well first and foremost they're free aren't they they're, they're made almost entirely of calcium and they that you know it's 
permaculture is here again, isn't it, everyone? Because we get to use the problem as the solution. On one hand, we have eggshells, which are waste. What are we going to do with them? We could compost them, I suppose. That's going to take quite a long time. And if we turn around, we're also seeing another problem. We're having to buy in this calcium supplement and this soluble grit for our hands. Well, Let's combine these two problems and make them the solution. So what we do, generally speaking, when we are cooking eggs, if we're, let's say we're hard boiling a load of eggs, then those shells are going to have been heated through the water, which is going to... Well, it's, it's going to do several things. It's going to any bacteria that might be on them are going to be neutralized. But also it kind of makes them really, really brittle, easy to crush. And I think it seems to be more palatable or more easy to digest for our hands. If we're making fried eggs or scrambled eggs, then we'll just save those eggshells, put them to one side. And the next time we're using our oven, we would put them in the oven just for 10 minutes or so. And it seems to do the same job. Like I say, it, it just from from experience what it seems to do is it, it certainly makes the shells more brittle making them far easier to crush up into small pieces but it also seems to make them more palatable the hens seem to gobble them up that much more readily if they've been heated in some way whether it's in the oven or a pan like I say and we crush them up and we just offer them to our hens and they eat them they gobble them up they absolutely love them and they're serving two functions here hello permaculture yet again that they're, they're serving as the insoluble grit but they're also serving as a calcium supplement because like I say every time your chicken lays an egg it's having to produce all of that calcium to produce that egg so it's really important that we put that back into our systems and our systems in this case is our hens so that's what we do with our eggshells and it works really really well next thing to say is about space now the more space you can give your hens, the better. The more space you can give your hens, the cheaper it's going to be to feed them because they're going to be able to forage a lot more and also the happier they're going to be. Now, we're not all in a position anymore to be able to range our hens over acres and acres like we used to. So, you know, I'm not saying that you have to do that. We have got really happy hens in hutches and runs. And the only thing I would say add to this about space beyond the obvious benefits to just the happiness of your hens and the food costs that you might get is when you introduce new hens, having that extra space is really, really helpful. Introducing new hens, I think, is a category all on its own. But, what, you know, there's a few things I definitely want to cover in this episode. So. The first thing to say is if you are introducing new hens to your flock or even if you're just bringing a new flock home, if you're bringing home three hens for the first time and putting them in your garden, unless they've come from the same flock and they all know each other, they need to establish the pecking order. That's where the term comes from. And they're, you know, they are social animals and they will basically assert their own hierarchy they'll have if you've got a cockbird then usually what will happen is the cockbird the cockerel will be the the chief and he will go around and tell everyone else what order they're in if you don't then the hens will sort it out among themselves and they do this by asserting dominance behavior so you might find if you're introducing new hens or if you're just bringing new hens home for the first time you might find that you get quite a lot of bullying and pecking you might find that a hen might literally pin another hen down and peck at her crop uh not her crop sorry at her um goodness me her wattles and what oh, i've forgotten the her crown 
<laughs> there we go. The name of the little red thing on a chicken's head might start pecking at her crown. These are all perfectly normal behaviors. So what will happen is over the course of around a week, these will settle right down and all of your chickens will know exactly where they stand and they will just go on about their business. And so long as you're giving them enough food and water, it won't be a problem. It just means that the chief hen gets there first and everyone else waits their turn or uh, you know, depending on access to food, it's going to manifest itself differently in different coops. But the idea is that they'll have their own dominance order and that will be fine. Dogs are no different. Most animals or a lot of animals are very, very similar. So it's nothing to worry about. A little bit of bullying, although it might be hard to watch, it is just the hens asserting their natural behaviour and asserting their own position within the flock. And it usually settles down within a few days. Now, if it doesn't settle down after a week or two you might have a more serious problem that you'd need to address perhaps you'd need to quarantine a couple of hens and let them recover whatever your systems in place are for dealing with that but generally speaking we have never actually I'm trying to think I was going to say rarely but we've never actually seen a problem with introducing hens so long as they've got enough space that's the key thing when you're introducing hens to a flock you need to have enough space so that the hen that is being picked on can get away and hide and get away from bullies and it just means that over time they'll settle down and everyone will be fine. Now, if you do have bullying that goes on for a much longer period, chances are it's not this dominant assert, dominance asserting, asserting that you're seeing. You're seeing something else. Now, chickens will tend, if they can sense that a member of their flock is weak or poorly, or perhaps if you have a flock with a with a hen in it that's broken its leg or its wing or it's otherwise poorly, the hens can actually bully that hen to death it's a way of preventing sickness from spreading within their flock and preventing animals in their flock being poorly that are going to be eventually the cause of disease that might spread it's part of their evolutionary behaviors so if you've got bullying on one specific hen that lasts a longer period of time and that hen becomes or starts to look unhealthy then you need to get that hen away and give her a chance to recover back to full strength at which point you can usually reintroduce them so when you're seeing this bullying usually it's not something to worry about it's just something to monitor be aware of and let sort out on its own you know and this is all part of introducing new hens to a flock Next up, I want to talk about deep litter and the, the methods you can use for inside your your coops. Now, we use the deep litter method, which basically means that we add layers of bedding on top of the last layer and let them build up over the course of six months or a year, depending on the size of the coop. So when we had our large trailers, we were probably cleaning them out either once or twice a year. We might have to do it a little bit more regularly with our smaller coops because we just don't have the space to build up that much litter. But what we're doing is we're just adding organic matter. Whatever you're using as your bedding, you can use anything from leaf leaf litter to grass clippings if you've dried them out to you know we tend to use straw and you add that and we also add a little bit of hydrated lime for a couple of reasons it it's a great way of allowing the deep litter to 
break down that little bit faster because it keeps the moisture down. Sometimes the moisture can get up a bit high and the lime is going to keep it a little bit drier. So it's going to allow it to basically compost faster, which is what you want. And the second thing it's going to do is going to reduce the amount of parasites within your coop because they're not going to find it quite so easy to live in that environment if there's lots of this lime dust in there so we do that and we just add it up over time keep adding and then eventually we will clean it out once every six months or so and what's happening over that period is the layer underneath the top layer is gradually composting and we like to time it so that we're cleaning out our coops at the end of the spring or the middle of the spring when the weather is just starting to warm up because there's the additional benefit of the actual heat that that composting process gives off as everything breaks down can actually help to warm up your coop through the coolest months of the year so that's just another advantage of the deep litter system next up let's talk about parasites now the main two parasites that you're going to see with your chickens are worms and mites there are all sorts of other parasites and when we maybe do a whole episode on parasites we can get into them in a lot more detail but for now we'll deal with the two most common ones worms and mites. Now when you've got any type of livestock you have the risk of worms and one of the best ways of dealing with worms is to just move your animals around and we'll talk a little bit about the life cycle of worms to explain this a little bit so the life cycle of worms is usually numbered in a number of weeks not months not years so what happens is the worms will find their way into your livestock through something they've eaten whether that's a worm or a slug with the egg of the worm in it or whether that's the actual worm itself very very unusual usually it's it's some kind of secondary host and they can also sometimes just pick up the eggs themselves if they're lying around on other things then that egg will basically hatch and incubate and hatch within your hen and grow into a worm the parasitic worm which will then lay more eggs which will be passed out in your animal's feces so by moving your animals and getting them on fresh ground as regularly as possible you know in an ideal world you'd move them every single day then what's going to happen is that parasitic life cycle is broken down the eggs that are within your animal's body are going to come out they're going to basically just die they're going to die on a piece of ground or eaten by something else that never gets near your hens because your hens have gone somewhere else and they never get time to repopulate within your chicken or your other livestock so we used to use this method a great deal for basically keeping worm numbers down in all of our livestock at our old property we did it with the goats the sheep the pigs so that what it means is the parasitic load on the ground is so low that you don't have that continual life cycle within your animals of course if you don't have that ability then you can treat with a shop-bought wormer or a worming agent you can also use some natural remedies as well which can act as dewormers so apple cider vinegar i can't speak to the effic efficacy oh my goodness that's a word we should all be able to say by now shouldn't it with the pandemic efficacy of how effective it is apple cider vinegar but uh, it is listed as a treatment for worms so a little bit in their water can make a difference however i will i'll do a lot more research on this before we come back to this topic in another episode and i'll find out exactly what the scientific studies say if anything but another 
traditional worming method is to use a plant called wormwood which we used to use as well and we will probably be growing some here at some point in the future a really easy plant to grow and it has anti-worming capabilities so those are some of your options as well so there's two other things i want to get to today the first is how you feed your animals and anything you can do to keep your feed out of the reach of rodents is going to be huge so there's lots of different options here to play around with one of the things we like to use is treadle feeders that's the first thing which means that it's a certain type of feeder that only gives access to the food when a chicken stands on a plate and you can set the plate weight so that it opens up for your chickens but won't open for a mouse or a rat for example that's one thing we like to do there are lots of options here as well another thing you could do is just take your feed away overnight bring it into the house or put it in your shed or somewhere where the rodents don't have access also just storing your actual feed where the feed that isn't in your chicken coops the feed that's in your bags in your bins around your garden making sure that that is rodent proof is really really important as well and you can also think about trying to rodent proof your actual coops and your runs by putting mesh underneath them as well as on the sides these are all things to consider but i think Keeping the rodents away from your feed is really, really important for two reasons. One, it's going to help to keep your feed costs down because you're not paying to feed rats and mice. And the second one is it's going to help to discourage an explosion of those vermin on your property. Those two things are really, really important. And the last thing I want to talk about is clipping chickens' wings. Now, this is something that can seem really, really daunting if you've never done it before but it's actually really really simple why might you clip a chicken's wings well if you've got them outside in a fenced off area and you want to keep them in there and we used to use just four foot fencing or maybe even less than that three and a half foot high fencing and it would keep all of our hens in because we would clip their wings and then every three or four months we'd walk out in the garden and one of them would be out and then the following day two would be out and then three days later five would be out uh, and it just meant that their flight feathers had grown back and we needed to reclip them again but it's a really really simple thing to do so basically grab your hen and pick her up and put her in your arm and hold her so she's nice and calm and how I like to do it is I would have my one arm around their body and I'd have their head facing my shoulder and their tail facing away from me and then I would basically take the wing that's furthest from my body and I would place that over my arm that's holding the chicken so it's out and this is really ideally done with two people if you get someone else to hold that wing out that's even better but otherwise you I'll use my hand that I'm currently using to hold the chicken with I'll still be holding the chicken with the rest of my arm but I'll extend that wing and what you'll see is as the wing goes towards the edge the feathers get longer and longer and the ones at the end are much longer and they're the flight feathers and then you just take literally a pair of scissors or garden shears and you just trim those those uh those flight feathers right back it's just the same as cutting fingernails in you know or trimming hooves you're not hurting the animal at all they don't feel any pain but what happens is they lose their ability to fly and you know chickens don't really have full flight anyway so it's not like you're doing it to a 
finch or a parrot and you're depriving it of its ability to fly it only ever uses it to hop over things and you're just stopping it using that ability to get out of your run they don't miss any of their other you know they don't miss any of their natural behaviors and you're not going to upset the chickens by doing it you're really really not so definitely consider doing that if you are looking to free range your chickens within a sort of confined area with a fence it's uh, well worth doing it also helps to keep them safe and if you've got somewhere that's protected from the fox but they could fly out of it then uh, you know you're doing them a favor as well so that is it i think that covers everything on my chicken husbandry list that i've got in front of me if you think i've missed anything though please 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 do get in touch i really mean that if there's anything i've missed off this list or if you've got if you disagree with something i've said or if you've got something to add please do get in touch and let me know so that i can make sure that that is added when we come back to this which we will in a future series i think on monday i'm going to start my small spaces series because I'm very much in that headspace at the moment and uh, yeah we'll be talking about growing things in a much smaller space and then after that series maybe we'll come to the chickens but uh, that's where we are anyway so all we've got left to do today is give away this book so if you're wondering how these if you're a new listener and you're wondering how these giveaways came about basically when we moved house recently we had to downsize considerably and the office that I have now is about a third of the size of the one I had before so uh, it sounds very posh me saying an office it's basically a, a set of shelves and a desk in a hallway (laughs) but uh, it basically means I didn't have nearly as much space for my homesteading library so I've really had to downsize it so I've got a big box of books that I'm still in the process of working through giving away on these patron giveaways on Fridays so if you want to be included in these draws you can do so by becoming a patron of the show at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub but be aware you know these are used books they're books from my library and uh, hopefully coming to yours so today's winner as I draw a name from the hat is a long-term subscriber and helper with lots of things on the show Elliot Hughes thank you so much Elliot for all your support and you have won the how to grow practically everything book by the RHS hundreds of garden projects absolutely anyone can do Elliot please do send me an email at selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com and I will get this in the post to you I have a couple of weeks worth of these to post out so please bear with me I do them in batches and uh, I haven't forgotten you they they will get to you I promise and uh, yeah that's going to wrap us up for today thanks for listening everyone this is the last episode in May I've been a bit lax with my May subscriber appeal but I will uh I will uh, give it another go now. I keep saying subscribers. That's YouTube, isn't it? I mean, uh, people who listen to the podcast. So please do mention the show to someone. Please do spread the word. Spread it on your social media. Spread it at the allotment. Spread it at the garden centre. Spread it at the dinner table. If you know someone who you genuinely think might enjoy this show, I'd really, really appreciate it if you could just spend a minute just sharing this with them and uh, sending them our way it's the best way to get new listeners thank you ever so much guys for listening and i will speak to you on monday cheers this episode of the self-sufficient hub podcast was brought to you by our patrons you guys are awesome 
If you'd like to support the show, there's lots of ways you can do it. The easiest of which is just to like and review it wherever you get our podcast. You can also tell somebody about it, whether that's on social media or just face to face with a friend who you think might benefit from it. But however you support our podcast, we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to become a patron, please consider doing so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, it's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Thank you ever so much for listening, and I'll speak to you really soon.